0: we try to just be present and it's overwhelming, we can feel like a failure. And I've seen that many, many times, that people have said, you know, I'm trying to be with my experience, but I just can't. My mind is just runs away in terms of, you know, obsessive thinking or I just get restless or you know, I sometimes, when I hear that, share uh, the story of Baba Ramdas. Um, many of you I know have heard of Ramdas. He originally, Richard Alper, very well known to many as uh, one of the pioneers in bringing Eastern spirituality to the West. And um, he had explored Hinduism and Buddhism and Advaita and so on. Well, Ramdas, some years back now, maybe eight years ago, had a stroke and um, he after the stroke for a while was lying in an utterly helpless state and even as they got him on the gurney he was staring up at the pipes on his ceiling and no uplifting thoughts or inspiration came to rescue him and he noticed that or he realized that he was so freaked out that he didn't have a shred of capacity to bring mindfulness to what was going on In fact, as he said, in summarizing that crucial moment, he said, I flunked the test. He said, this is a guy that decades and decades of practice. The test comes. He has a stroke. He's in the aftermath of a stroke. Everything's freaked out. He says, okay, mindfulness. He couldn't do it. I think it's really important to know that. That sometimes we can't. That doesn't mean there's not a way home. Trying to be present isn't going to always work, especially when our system's really rattled. It, it makes it so that we're a lot more uh, tolerant and understanding uh, that it's really, really hard. Now, here's what happened for Ramdas he discovered his gateway back home in time by remembering the love of Maharaji, who was his Indian guru, who had passed away years earlier. And he said the way it happened is he, you know, he was, feel, he was trapped in this anguish and this powerlessness and the despair. And then he began to pray to Maharaji. Maharaji, was, he sensed him as this emanation of love. You know, and he started praying to him and praying to him. And he said, I talked to my guru's picture and then he spoke to me and all of a sudden I sensed he was all around me. That was the grace that he prayed and he called on this uh, loving presence that he had known so intimately and it was right there. And And from then on, he went through all sorts of you know, got tugged around by all sorts of experiences that he said on some basic level connecting with that sense of being held in love made it possible to uh, bear the trauma of the stroke. nervous systems um, have certain situations that can easily trigger us into a state that we then could get down on ourselves for but it's just the way the body and mind respond when overwhelmed by stimuli when something's too much So and that is the definition of trauma when our nervous systems overwhelmed and we don't have access to our normal coping strategies and then we dissociate and for some people after trauma there are ways of processing what happens fighting responding, fleeing, successfully getting out of a situation, in some way way finding some power, some way to control things that actually um, allows for a digesting of the trauma. But for many people, trauma happens at times in our lives where we don't have that resourcefulness. And then it just gets lodged in our bodies. And then what happens is either we successfully dissociate from it but then experience all the symptoms of dissociation which means we're not in touch with our bodies we're not able to feel the feelings we want to be feeling we're not able to be spontaneous a lot of undercurrents of anxiety depression those are just some of the symptoms or something gets triggered and tripped off and we get plunged into and flooded by the feelings so we're either disconnected from the rawness and we have a whole mess of other symptoms or we're plunged into the rawness. Does this make sense as the basic ground of the condition? This? Okay. The description, maybe from a Buddhist perspective, I use the word trance a lot, that When our system's been overwhelmed, our way of trying to handle it is to go into a trance. We pull away from the immediacy of what's going on and we go into hyperthinking, into getting really busy. Um, We go into all the different behaviors that keep us from experiencing what feels like too much. So the healing of trauma, the process of healing trauma, is to stop the false refuges and to come home to presence and reconnect with what we're running from. That's the process, but the challenge is that, and as I'm gonna use the language, window of tolerance, that we can't be with the rawness unless we have enough resilience to be with it in a healthy way. In many shamanistic traditions and cultures, it's believed that when a person's traumatized, the soul leaves the body. And whether we think of it as metaphorical or not, the soul is leaving as a way of protecting it from intolerable pain. It's some way being armored or exiting. And in the process of soul retrieval, which I think is a lovely languaging of it, in the process of soul retrieval, the traumatized person is held in the love and safety and belonging of community. And in that context, the soul's invited to return. And there can be all sorts of layers of raw stuff that's felt in that process, but it's safe enough. So that just as for Ramdas, it was safe enough because he felt Maharaji's love. Or for someone else, you might call on God or the Divine Mother or feeling a good friend. It, it doesn't matter. It's calling on a larger belonging when we feel small and regressed that makes it safe enough. So this is the basic alchemy of healing trauma. And What I'd like to do is share with you a story of one person I worked in depth with and explore in that story the three key elements that can allow us to um, reconnect, to retrieve our souls, to come home, whether we're caught in the grip of more classic trauma, are what many of us experience a lot, which is really feeling stuck, really feeling caught in the grip of an emotion that um, feels out of control. I'd like to share this story with you first by saying this was a a woman who was traumatized who was a client that was using Buddhist meditation in conjunction with her therapy and um, as part of her healing she ended up writing a story that was very much about her own healing So in this story, she's seven years old, and she's hiding in a closet, terrified after an unexpected attack by her drunk and enraged father. The little girl's praying, help, I can't take it anymore. She opens her eyes to see a fairy in a haze of blue with a glittering wand. And she lets the fairy know how her father's been beating her and her mother doesn't help, and how she feels like they both wish that she was dead. The fairy listens with tears in her eyes and then tells her that while she can't make all this pain disappear, she can help her get through it this time, this time by helping her to forget and then to remember later when she's able to handle it. So with a wave of the wand, the good fairy said, I'm going to send things into different parts of your body and they're going to hold them for you until you feel strong enough to let them move freely again. And she explained that she was gonna tighten and dull her pelvis and her belly. She was gonna constrict her heart and throat and protect her from feeling the raw intensity of her hurt and fear and from feeling her brokenheartedness. So I'm going read you the last part. She said, you will have trouble feeling and being close to people, but it will be your way of surviving. At those times that the pain erupts, you will find your own ways to control it that may not look good to the world, but will be of temporary comfort. And you, my darling, will be a fairly functional human being in spite of all this, because you have a strong mind and you can hold all this in, and I'll be helping you." The child looked directly into the fairy's eyes and asked, how will you help? Would you come back to see me? You will not forget everything i will leave a voice inside you that will urge you to reconnect with your whole self it may be a very long process but in time you will feel an urgent calling to step out of imprisoning beliefs to unwind your body and release what it's been holding all these years you will learn the art of presence there will be physical and emotional pain as you open but you will have what you need the compassion and wisdom the support of loving others to be a whole person spiritually awake, but still the same. This is because your soul has always been there, just hidden by the scars of a lifetime. The good fairy put her arm around the child's shoulders and gently led her into bed. She waved her wand and stood by as the little girl finally relaxed into a deep sleep. She gazed tenderly at the small, innocent face and then whispered her goodbye. When you wake up, you will forget I was here. You will forget you asked for help. You will forget the sharpness of your daily pain. This is the only way I know to get you through this. You are a beautiful child. I love you, and in fact, your parents love you, although they're incapable of showing it to you. You will have to love yourself enough to heal so that when you are older, your life will be powerful, full, and free. One day you will know who you really are. You will trust your goodness and know your belonging. Until then, and for always, I love you. So one of the first pieces, this is the first key to healing trauma and deep emotional wounds that I wanna say is that there's a realization that it's not my fault. That so much of what we have been blaming ourselves for, feeling flawed about, it's not our fault. And that far from having that take us away from being responsible, it's not until we remove the shame that we can be responsible. We can actually respond to the true core wound that's there once we stop making ourselves wrong for the ways that we've been living with it. And that includes if we've been uh, gone off into alcoholism or been abusive ourselves. Still, it's not my fault. Is actually the beginning of being able to be responsible. Be able to respond. And this understanding that the ways that we've ended up acting out were the best that we could do. It's not my fault. I, so, another way to say it is to forgive yourself, to truly forgive yourself. One friend of mine says, Forgive yourself perfections, not a prerequisite for anything but pain. But even more, forgive yourself all the imperfections. And if you leave here tonight and there's just a little more sense of, like as in the good fairy story, that there was some part of you that was trying to take care of you. And it doesn't look so good, the ways that these parts of us try to take care of ourselves over years, but it's not our fault. That's the beginning of being able to choose differently. Forgive yourself. Okay? That's the first key. Now, in uh, this story, when as I began working with this woman over the months and actually several years, the second piece was that in order for her to begin to contact the rawness she needed to feel the presence of the good fairy who became as she matured really the divine mother but she needed to have some access to a sense of a very um, divine and loving energy in the universe to begin to be safe enough to go inside to all that was there and part of her anchor for safety was my presence too when it's severe trauma, we really need another that can, can be there with us. So um, Annie Lamott says, My mind is like a bad neighborhood. I try not to go there alone. <laughs> and that's why we meditate together, you know. So for this woman, over the time that we work together, Um, She would, I was one anchor of, or resource of, you know, safety and presence, but she also would um, started getting more and more uh, knowing the pathway to calling on the Divine Mother. And that made a very big difference. She would visualize a field of light and warmth kind of enveloping her. And she'd do it when she wasn't struggling when she wasn't caught in the fear she would practice that so that when she did get caught in fear she'd already had, the neural pathways were kind of greased. she already knew her way okay. So this is um, a key piece that when I'm working with students and clients especially at retreats um, I will ask what helps you in your life feel a sense of safety and love? When do you feel protected? When do you feel at home? And I'll ask that question because if we know, and it might be for some in nature, many people find a tree or the ocean, certain spot and natural surrounding is what allows them to feel taken care of. For some, it's their dog. Very, very common that the love of of this, this adoring, accepting creature, does it? For many, there's a friend or a grandmother that's no longer alive. For some people, it's an archetypal spiritual figure, like for this woman, the Divine Mother, or it could be Christ, or it could be Allah, or it could be some sense of um, spirit ally of some sort. This is Rumi, he says, there is a secret medicine given only to those who hurt so hard they can't hope. The hopers would feel slighted if they knew. Look as long as you can at the friend you love, no matter whether that friend is moving away from you or coming back. Look as long as you can at the friend you love. In another roomy verse, he says, this turn towards what you love saves you. So this is the second uh, part of having the capacity to heal trauma, to heal difficult emotions in a way that truly brings us home. The first, forgive yourself. It's not your fault. For whatever ways that you've reacted to the trauma and tried to make it better. The second, find some pathway to love or to safety. Now the third, once you have a kind of an anchor, a resource, is to, as much as possible, choose presence. Choose to bring that anchor to what's going on right here in this body, in this heart. Now there are the anchors of love and safety in a big way but there's also the very immediate anchors that we practice here where we explore feeling your breath come in and out. That can sometimes be a way of stabilizing attention right here or when you're feeling a strong emotion just breathe and feel the emotion at the same time. When we fully open to what's actually happening in the moment, there's a shift in identity. Any resistance to what's happening in the moment, any dissociation, and we become the self that has to avoid something. Does that make sense? If you're pushing away, if you're fighting what's happening, if you're running a false refuge and trying to get away, you become the small self that has to avoid something that's too much to handle. And even if you dissociate, there's still anxiety because around the corner, it can get you. It's only in the moments of total surrender. Absolutely, as, as Rilke says, let everything happen to you, the beauty and the terror. Not controlling, but still remembering the love. She had to remember the love to be able to do that. It's in that moment of full presence that the identity shifts And you shift from the self that's the traumatized, victimized self, the wounded self, to the loving presence itself. That's the freedom, that's the healing. I love the poem that says, and I take every broken, wounded place and go holy, holy, holy. That we touch every part of ourselves that we've been pushing away with that spirit of tender presence. Holy, holy, holy. There can almost be this um, other story we build that I'm supposed to handle alone. And it reinforces this sense of a self that's supposed to muscle our way through, you know, kind of a machismo spirituality the truth is we belong to this living web and that if we bring what's difficult into the field and let the field help to hold us field meaning each other it helps to dissolve that trance of separation it helps us to see the truth of our belonging so the Buddha talked about the refuge of Sangha of spiritual friends and Every one of us needs to take refuge in that as much as we need to take refuge in the inner experience of presence on our own. Every one of us has a part of us that needs to feel safety at certain times that only can be really felt when we're with each other. You know, it's like it's very intuitive that in our togetherness, uh, we find that sense of belonging that allows us to feel safe. But in the deepest way, in the company of each other, it allows us to get in touch with the truth that's here. It's right here. And this is really the, perhaps the core teaching of the Buddha that what we long for and what we need what will heal us is right here in the moments that we forgive ourselves, in the moments that we turn towards love, and in the moments that we bring our attention to the life of the moment. So in honor of those three keys, um, we'll just take a few moments to meditate together and then we'll close. So give yourself the gift of pausing, no matter where your mind has been, just letting go of the past, letting go of the future, and just letting go into what's right here. we begin by just clearing a little. Just a sense if there's anything, any holding, any armoring in your heart, any way that you're turned on yourself right now. Any slight judgment, any deep resentment, any blame. And let your intention be to forgive the beginning of self forgiveness of acceptance is the intention the intention to include ourselves in our own heart so just feel that kind of softening that can come when you have that as your intention to go beyond that sense of fault To so look at yourself through the eyes of a loving and wise friend. Perhaps say, Forgiven, forgiven to anything that might feel left out, pushed away. Or just yes, or accepted. As Sri Nursarga says, just to make love of yourself perfect, love of this life, this moment, perfect. To turn towards love, to sense the loving in your life. And whatever brings that to mind is a beautiful entry So sense whatever awakens the sense of loving in your life. It might be the beauty of spring. It might be a dog, a child, someone no longer alive, a friend, someone you don't know, who in your mind is a loving spiritual being, an archetypal figure, like the Divine Mother. Bring to mind whatever reminds you of love and sense that loving energy surrounding you. If you'd like to put your hand on your heart, you can imagine and sense love just pouring in And let yourself receive a bit. The poet Ralka says, I yearn to belong to something, to be contained in an all embracing mind that sees me. I yearn to be held in the great hands of your heart. Forgiving ourselves, letting ourselves be bathed in love, surrounded by love. And then feeling that tenderness, that openness. And for the last few moments here, being with whatever wants attention in your body, in your heart, in your life. Sensing who you are when there's a full and loving attention. Sensing the wakeful openness and tenderness that's home.